Good morning. Oh, praise the Lord. It's good, as was said, to be in worship and praise of our almighty God together. Uh, we are graced by God to have today for our speaker someone who is a seminary grad. He served, in fact, as an interim dean for seminary and currently uh, serves as the executive director of church relations for us here at Cornerstone. And those are some of the things by way of title. Um, but let me tell you a bit about the person uh, of Dr. Thomas Weber. Uh, I've not known him very long. I think it's since January that I've known him. And in relationships with people, uh, of course, when you initially introduce, you're always trusting forward and in hopes, particularly in this wonderful Christian environment, that it's someone you can connect with and resonate. But it's not until you have moments of shedding tears and moments of those uh, gut-busting laughs and moments of those just having these wonderful conversations about theology and doctrine and then about family and relationship that you come to know that this person loves God. Not only that, this person loves Cornerstone University, and he loves you. And so would you please help me with a warm welcome, a loving welcome to our speaker for today, Dr. Thomas Weber. Thank you, Terrence. Truly appreciate that. Uh, some of you know me uh, a little bit. Some of you don't know me at all, so I want to just share a little bit about uh, how God has brought me to this place and have an opportunity to discuss his word with you. 47 years ago, I came here as a freshman. Yes, I'm older than some of your parents. I married the love of my life 43 years ago. We have two children and three grandchildren. And thank God they're in Michigan, along with my 91-year-old mother. And it truly is a blessing to still have her around. 43 years ago, or excuse me, 43 years, for 43 years, we've been in the gospel ministry. Now some things that frustrate me about me and may even frustrate you about me. Because we are in a moment where God's word and his Holy Spirit are here. And I feel compelled to do a little confession. I am judgmental. I don't reach all of my high expectations but I still expect them of you. I don't always say the most appropriate things in the most appropriate way. I offend others when I speak sometimes. My wife of 43 years is here, and if you choose to see her afterwards, she will confirm. <laughs> I'm impatient with people organizations, and even at times, God. 
because I see the way that he should be moving and he doesn't do it. That's a little bit about me. More than what you were expecting, I'm sure. But with this in mind, I want you to know that I always expect God to join his people in a time of worship. And when his word is opened, he's here. Your faculty members, your administrators, and others are here to support you. Even today, I have no idea what the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you about. But I want you to know we're prepared for whatever that is. Bob Sack, Vice President in Charge of Advancement. Bob, just raise your hand or stand up, whatever you want to do. He's here in case you need an anointing from God. He's an elder in a local congregation. So we've got the biblical passage of James kind of covered. You theologians, we'll talk about that later. But everybody's here to support you. I'm a military retiree, 25 years in the Navy. One of my studies was on the ethical or character development of members in the boot camp. The longest boot camp is the Marine Corps. It's 13 weeks long. Most everyone else is eight weeks. But the Marine Corps is longer. And I found that in studying the boot camps, character was formed in a greater way with those extra three to five weeks than anywhere else. And at the end of boot camp for a Marine, they go through what's called a crucible. Did you know this, that anytime you go to any of the other branches of service and you raise your hand, you sign, you raise your hand, you say the words, you swear an oath to the Constitution, not the president, the Constitution, to defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I could raise my hand and sign my name and I'd be a sailor, a soldier, an airman, or a Coast Guardman. But I would not be a Marine until I finished boot camp. I would only be a recruit. You folks here are in a crucible for four years, or some of you may extend it a tad. So I want to talk about your four years of crucible work. First of all, you ha- and I'm going to talk about principles here. First of all, we have to be disciple makers. Jesus' plan was, I teach, you watch. I teach, you help. Next, I watch, you teach, or I help you teach. And lastly, I watch, you teach to his disciples. You know, Paul did the same thing. The things I've received from Jesus Christ, now I send to you, Timothy. And I want you to put them into the lives of those who are trusted teachers who can also teach others. Four steps. Why do I bring this up? Because what 
this institution is trying to create is fat students. <laughs> it's not through the chow hall. That's faithful, available, and teachable. You want to be teachable. If you're not teachable, what's going to happen? I can tell you from my military experience. And we'll talk about that if I'm invited back next time. So in these four years, you want to become a fat student, faithful, available, and teachable. I did not know how to do devotions when I came to this school. Personal devotions. I did not know how to take time and read God's word and study it for myself. So in Quincer Hall, 47 years ago, I'm pretending to sleep on my top bunk and watch my roommate sit at that little desk there. I don't even know if they have him there. Someone invite me in a quincer sometime. But anyways, <laughs> I watched him open up God's word, pray, take out a notebook, write some things down, shut up both books, and pray again. I was never taught. The crucible of this school helped me understand what it meant to become a fat follower of Christ. The principle is this. Observe those who are worthy of following. you got a huge array of people now. Observe those who are worthy of following and follow them. Learn from them. The second thing I want to talk about, that was the first one, we're disciple makers. The second one is disciplines that were groomed before I arrived here. I'm a farm boy. The family farm was on Baseline Road down in Rives, or it's not Rives, but uh, between Ingham and Jackson County, Baseline. It goes right across the state. I learned early in life what hard work was all about. At four years old, my dad said, boy, you know, it's kind of like Ezekiel. I didn't have, know what my name was until I was about 12. <laughs> boy, you need to get out and feed those calves because they cannot be drinking the milk because that milk is paying for the shoes on your feet. So get out there and help me. At four years old, I'm not even in kindergarten. See, I understood early in life on the farm that everyone, everyone is important for the community. And if you don't play your part, the community is not healthy. I also learned this on a farm, that you had to clean out the, the, you had to muck out the stalls, clean out the pens, get it in the field before you tilled the ground, before you could even plant the seed. Wow, that's a lot of work because you got to let God do his work with the seed. So there's a lot of prep. Think about that in your own Christian life. There's a lot of prep going on right now. And while the seeds are trying to grow, make sure you pull a few weeds. I also realize this. 
that when it's harvest time, you bring the harvest in at all times of the day. Right now, there are combines going from Canada and moving south, getting beans and corn all the way down to Texas. Why is this important? Because when I came here 47 years ago, Bill Doran, the manager of uh, maintenance, put this farm boy in charge of the administrative building, W.W. Welch, administrative building. I was the snow shoveler. Why? Because he knew that a farm boy would get out there and do his job no matter what time it was. And let me tell you, when I got the call in Quincer Hall at five o'clock in the morning, I heard dad saying, boy, get up. Now, those of you who were around at that time might remember the snowfalls of 76 and 77, but that's another story. <laughs> Three, do what is right. Excuse me, first of all, the principle of um, learning and having my life groomed on the farm is this, hard work is necessary for community success. Number three, doing what is right. I came to see you to be a PE teacher and a high school coach because I saw the importance it was when my high school coach had me one-on-one -on -one and said, Tom, if you're going to be a starter next year in whatever sport I was playing, here's some things you have to work on. And I immediately saw the entrance into people's lives for the gospel of Christ. I said, that's what I want to do. But because I played three varsity sports here and three intramural sports in my freshman year, Calvin wouldn't accept us back then to have teacher certification. <laughs> because a 1.8 just wouldn't get in. Thank God for the student affairs director who came out and said, if you don't get a 2.0, you won't be playing soccer in the fall of your sophomore year. So as a freshman, I did the freshman 20. Anybody know what a freshman 20 is? You do. What is it? That's right. As a freshman, I gained 20 pounds. Mom never had food like that at the house. And as a freshman wrestler, guess what? If I wanted to compete at that weight class, I had to lose all 20. Because rules mean something. If I wanted to compete, I had to do what was right. So I lost the 20 pounds, and you know what? I meddled. That was cool. We all know of Olympians who've lost their medals or their status or their world records because they have not followed the rules. The principle is this. There is no success in cutting corners. You cannot cut the corners and be successful. Maybe in some areas of your life, that might work. 
But what's about here? Your character. The last thing we want to talk about is dedication to duty. After 15 years of civilian pastor work, uh, God uh, graciously allowed us to become um, military members. I was commissioned as a chaplain in the United States Navy, had the opportunity to serve with the Marine Corps, the Navy, and the Coast Guard. I'm not going to share all 25 years with you uh, because, again, that would take another couple months, maybe, if you were still there listening to me. I'll just give you a snippet of nine months in 2003. I was with the 1st Marine Division in 2003, and we went to Iraq. And for nine months, I slept in a tent on the ground. Number two, I watched RPGs and tracer rounds from AK-47s pass my canvas Humvee. Yes, the Marines put the chaplain in the canvas Humvee. God will protect you, chaplain. I said, why do you think he brought me to you? (laughs) During those nine months, we stopped using MREs, and they started using tray rations, which are basically just MREs in bigger packages. And for nine months, we shooed the flies away before we put the food in our mouth. Because the flies were so heavy, if you didn't do that, they would even land on your fork as it's coming to your mouth. And the worst thing of all is that for five months, we didn't have the internet. (laughs) That guy's jaw is still hitting the floor. Military personnel are apolitical. I don't know if you know that, but we are apolitical. In uniform, you cannot speak against the president or any elected official in uniform because by the Uniform Code of Military Justice, you are violating that document. Why do I say this? Because the principle is this. Suffering will happen. Suffering will happen in the four years of your crucible here. So make sure you are committed to the commanding officer. And what he's called you to do. Why did I feel the need to share this today? Because Paul says that very same thing to Timothy. Now, before I read the passage, I want to remind you, if God has been speaking to you, this platform is an altar. There's oil to anoint you. There's people to pray with you if God has called you to do something today. Make a decision. You can stay in your seat after I pray with someone and pray with them. But this is your time.
Why do I say that? Because 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7 says this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace of God that is in Jesus Christ. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Again, if God has been speaking to you, and he's encouraged you for a time of prayer, reflection, confession, or even anointing, this sacred place is where you and I can do business. Let's pray. Father God, may your Holy Spirit continue to be our teacher. May we be found worthy of being entrusted with your truth and your gospel as we share it with others, as we live it out among one another. Honor your word, Lord, in our lives so that we might look more like Jesus every day. It's in his mighty name we pray. Amen.